Didn't our team do an amazing job with that video? Five loaves, two fish, and some sausage rolls. Recognize that story? Hey, I get to um, finish the, uh, well, be, I'm doing part two, continuing. I'm continuing the series, part two, in our, our big series. Steve started last week with big potential, and I'm gonna be uh, going into another um, big thing that God has got for us. And uh, the verse that we've got that sort of is overarching the whole series, I just wanna share with you once again this morning in Ephesians chapter three. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation because um, I just like that it puts it in such a different light. It says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. <clears throat> Listen to this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity, amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you've got a word for each person here. Lord, Lord, there's a word for us all as individuals, God. And I just pray that you would open our hearts to not just hear what's being said, but God, to really hear it in our hearts, to really know it in our spirit. God, would you use the words that I'm gonna speak to change and transform. Lord, empty me of who I am and fill me up with your Holy Spirit that I would speak your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever played this game before, Plinko. I didn't know it was called Plinko, uh, but apparently it is. And you may have seen it on game shows such as The Tipping Point. Anybody watch The Tipping Point just before the chase? We like game shows in our house. Apparently it's also on um, Dad. The Price is Right, apparently. I was told this morning it was also appeared on The Price is Right. But the idea of the game is that you put a little disc in and it doesn't matter whether you put it on the right side. It doesn't matter whether you, there we go, it worked this time. It doesn't matter whether you put it in the middle. It doesn't matter whether you put it on the left side. Oh, 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 oh. It doesn't matter whether you put it somewhere in between, that disc is gonna start at the top and it's gonna make its way down the bottom and it doesn't matter which pathway it takes. It doesn't matter whether it takes the straightest path down, it doesn't matter whether it goes along a few bumpy roads, it's gonna get to the bottom, why? Because that little disc must follow and comply with a law of nature, gravity, right? Gravity is the force that uh, pulls, that attracts an object or a person toward the center of the earth. It's what keeps our feet standing on solid ground. And we can interfere with it in different ways. Uh, humans can kind of do things to manipulate gravity within our atmosphere. We can, that's why planes can fly. That's why we can kick a ball and it can go across the sky because we can, for a period of time, we can manipulate gravity to make something stay in the air. But there's that old saying that goes, what goes up must come down. And eventually, we're simply only delaying the inevitable, which is that the force of gravity will begin to come into play. Now, I wanna speak to you today about the big promises of God. Everybody say big promise. 
because in a very similar way to the way the Plinko disc must end up at the bottom because it must follow a law of nature, gravity, the promises of God must comply with a law of God's nature. Listen to this verse. In Numbers 23, verse 19, it says this, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? You see, one of the things we need to know about God's nature is that he is immutable, which is just a really fancy way of saying he's unchanging. He is unable to change, which means that when he says something, he's gotta do it. And when he says that, he, when he promises something, he has to fulfill it because he is unchanging. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't go from the left to the right. He is immutable. He is unchanging. We can trust in his promises. How many of you know how annoying it is to feed your children? I mean, like, it should be straightforward, right? It should be easy. Food should go on the plate, should go in their mouth. That's what, they, that's what you'd think, isn't it? Well, you... You know, it's, it's harder than that. It's all harder than that. You know, Monday comes. Oh, mom, I love chicken. This is the best chicken. Oh, can I have some more chicken? I love chicken. Tuesday, chicken's my favorite, mom. Can I have some more chicken? Wednesday rolls around. You think, oh, I've got a winner here. I'm gonna make some more chicken. What are you doing? I thought you liked chicken. No, I changed my mind. I don't like it anymore. Oh. My son, my oldest son, Judah, he goes through these momentary phases where he just declares that he's not gonna eat meat. He's very compassionate and sometimes his compassion falls upon an animal. And he's like, I am gonna be a vegetarian. Well, actually, he's a true millennial. He doesn't have dairy either and he's allergic to eggs. So he's a vegan. He says, mom, I'm gonna be a vegan. We're like, okay. So I'm like trying to help him out. So we're having homemade burgers. So I'm, I buy him some of those like vegetarian patties. He takes one bite. He's like, what's this? I'm like, what's a vegetarian patty, buddy? You can't eat a, a, a hamburger if you're a vegetarian. If you're a vegan, you can't eat a hamburger. He's like, oh, well, I don't wanna be a vegan anymore. <laughs> Change his mind. Husbands, you think you know your wives. You think you've got her all figured out. You know her favorite color, you know her favorite flower. You know where she likes to go on date night. You got that restaurant sorted. Boys, you have to know this. Until you're seated in your seat, until your entree is on in front of you and that food is going into your mouth, it is a woman's prerogative to change her mind. Poor old Steve. We can get into a restaurant. I'll turn around. I'll sniff the air and go, nah, don't wanna go here. It's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. But listen, do you remember just a few weeks ago I spoke to you about Moses and I said one thing. I said, God is not like us. He is not like man, or I actually think the Bible should say he's not like woman, that he would change his mind. He doesn't change his, he doesn't say one thing and do another. He doesn't promise and then not fulfill, which means, it means that if God has given a promise, if he has placed something on your life, it doesn't matter where you start out, 
It doesn't matter what family you were born into. It doesn't matter what nation you were born into. It doesn't matter what mistakes you make. It doesn't matter what complicated situation you were born into. It doesn't matter where you start out and it doesn't matter the pathway that your life takes. It doesn't matter if you go the straightforward route or if it takes you the long way round to get you there. If He's placed a promise on your life because of who He is and because we have to uh, fall under the natures of who God is when it comes to His promises. doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter what it looks like now. His promise is coming to you and He will fulfill it. God, he, God, if God promised it, He'll fulfill it. Whatever way He'll take you, He'll get you to that promise. Listen to this. Here's what you've got to know. If it's not the promise, then it's not the end. If it's not the promise, it's not the end. So if your marriage doesn't look right now like God promised, it would. If it's not the promise, it's not the end. And if your finances right now don't look like God said they would, if it's not the promise, then it is not the end. If your kids and the life path they are taking doesn't look like the one God promised you it be, if it's not the promise, it's not the end. If the dream doesn't look like what God gave you, if it's not the promise, it's not the end. He's a big God with big promises. Yeah, come on, somebody give Him some praise. In Ephesians 1, it says this, I love this passage. It says, in Him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to His glory. You are predestined, which means you're not a mistake. And according to a plan, which means God has got a plan and a purpose over your life, and it's much, much bigger than you. God works everything in accordance with that predestined plan, with that predestined purpose. Therefore, your inheritance, your promise is guaranteed. So it doesn't matter what it looks like now, hold on. Doesn't matter if it doesn't look like God promised it would, don't give up because He will get you there in the end. Why? Because it's who He is. It's His nature to fulfill His promises. Joseph was a man with a promise. He was a man with a predestined plan. He was a man with a dream. He'd been given an actual dream by God, like fall asleep, have a dream, where he was standing and his brothers and his father and mother were standing and they were bowing down to Joseph. Now, it wasn't like a, oh, you bow down to me, kind of like arrogant kind of thing, although Joseph did seem to at times have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. This was a God-given leadership. This was a God-given authority. This was something that God had placed on his life. But in its most infant form, when the dream was in infant stage, his brothers, out of jealousy, took him. First, they threw him into a pit. Then they sold him off as a slave because they thought that might be a better idea. Then they faked his death. And we pick up our story when Joseph has been sold into the house of a man named Potiphar. But it says this about him in Genesis 39. It's in your notes there about just before halfway down. It says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favour with his master and he became his personal attendant. 
Potiphar put him in charge of his household and placed all he owned under his authority. Listen, there's something that we've got to know about the promises of God. And the first thing that you and I need to know about the promises of God, and this is the first one, says, and if, write this down, if God puts something on your life, it's hard to keep it down. If God puts something on your life, it's hard to keep it down. Have you ever spoken to someone who's so passionate about something that it doesn't matter what topic of conversation you are discussing, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're talking about, they will have find a way of bringing your conversation around so that whatever they're passionate about is being talked about, right? I can remember watching a dating show and the guy in the dating show, the poor girl he was talking to, he was in the cheese industry, and he was so passionate about cheese that every single conversation, bar none, every single conversation, he would bring it around to cheese. Oh, that reminds me of this type of cheese. And oh, that, that makes me think of that type of cheese. Every time he'd bring it around to cheese. Do you know the promises of God are very similar to this? That if God has put something on your life and He's promised something in you, it constantly finds its way into your life. It has a way of turning up when you least expect it. Because when God puts something on your life, whatever circumstances are around you, it will begin to outwork itself in you. The call on Joseph's life was leadership. It was leadership and it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter what circumstances surrounded him. It didn't matter how hopeless it all looked, what God put in him he caused to come out of him. That is why you will find that out of your greatest mess will become your, biggest, your greatest message. That is why you'll find that in those places of your most painful circumstances, God can cause it to become this beautiful purpose. And it's not just because the mess draws it out of you and builds character in you and gives you wisdom for the new season. No, it's because He predestined it in you. And if He's predestined it in you, then He will find a way of drawing it out of you because when God's put something on your life, it's real hard to keep it down. It happens again for Joseph, again and again and again. The next instance, he's wrongly accused of something thrown into prison. But while he's in prison, he's put in charge of everything, put in charge of all the prisoners. The Bible says he was successful in everything he did and he was put in charge of everything in the prison. See, leadership was a promise over Joseph's life. And so it didn't matter where life took him, leadership would be where he would end up. Because when God speaks a promise over you, he can use any circumstance to fulfill what he's predestined in you. He's a big God. He's got a big promise over your life. And because of his nature, he will find a way of drawing it out of you. Number two, it is God who will. When it comes to the promises of God, we've got to know this. It is God who will. While Joseph was in prison, he was asked by Pharaoh to come and interpret a dream that he had had. And I love Joseph's response to Pharaoh's request. He says to Pharaoh, I am not able to, it is God who will. I am not able to, it is God who will. Picture this moment, would you? Here's Joseph given a dream. 
a big dream. It's a promise from God and he knows without a doubt that is God's promise to him. But from the moment he's been given the promise, it's like it's gone from bad to worse. First he's thrown into a pit. Then he's sold as a slave. Then he has to work as a slave in a household. Then he's falsely accused and thrown into prison. It just goes from bad to worse. And yet here, all of a sudden, is a glimpse, a a, a, a slight crack in a door of opportunity begins to open. And so you can imagine he's been summoned by Pharaoh and you can imagine the thoughts going on in Joseph's head. He's thinking, wow, could this be it? Could this be the moment I've been waiting for? This is my time to shine. Don't mess it up, Joseph. If you mess it up, it's all over. You're never gonna get the opportunity back. Oh, you've gotta make sure you don't, me- don't get it wrong. God, Joseph, you have to get this right. See, in this moment, Joseph could have been tempted to push a door that was not his to open. He could have been tempted to strive and to try in his own strength to make something happen that he thought should have been happening in the, in the timing that he thought it should have been. But Joseph doesn't try and push. He doesn't try and strive. He doesn't push any doors that aren't supposed to be opened. He's not trying to manipulate anything, no. He simply says, if this is going to work, then it's gonna be God who does it. He says, I'm not able to, but it is God who will. If a door is gonna open, it'll be God that does it. If an opportunity is gonna come, it's gotta be God that does it. If I'm gonna be promoted, it's gotta be God that does it. Listen, we've got to, we can, in seasons when we can be tempted, when we've been waiting, when we've been feeling hopeless, we've gotta, we've gotta make sure that we don't push things that aren't supposed to be pushed. We don't try and manipulate or manufacture things that only God can bring about and promote. We've got to know this, that while you were in the pit, God is at work. And when you are serving someone else's vision, God is at work. And maybe even when you've been falsely accused, God is at work. And when you are in the the prison, God is at work. Even when you're in the palace, God is at work. It is God who will. It is God who will. Number three, God is with us on the way. God is with you on the way. He is with you on the way. Joseph ends up, with God's help, he interpreted the dream. And he did such a good job that Pharaoh decided to make him prime minister of Egypt. And this dream that he had was about a famine that was coming. And Joseph was able to come up with a plan, a wise plan that would help Egypt continue to flourish even though the famine was there. So he was put in charge of this plan. And this is in our story now where we're about to become reintroduced to Joseph's family. Do you remember the family that sold him into slavery after throwing him in a pit and faking his death? that family. We're about to see them come back and be reunited. Now this family, because it was a famine, of course had fallen under hard times and they needed food. So they went to where? A place that was flourishing. They went to Egypt where their brother, little did they know, was the prime minister. And so they meet Joseph and he keeps his identity a secret for a little while. You can go and read the story yourself because a little bit happens here that I'm not gonna tell you about. But this is where I wanna pick up our story where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. He says to them, brothers, it's me. It's your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Awkward moment there, right? Real awkward. But then he says to them at the end of his speech, he says, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant with the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, he says to them, it is not you who sent me here, but God. 
It is not you who sent me here, but God. How incredible that Joseph could look his oppressor in the eye and say, it is not you who sent me here, but God. Years and years ago, Steve and I, we went back to the UK. My family are from there. I was born there. And so I wanted to take this boy that I'd met back to meet my, um, meet my grandparents and my aunties and uncles and cousins. And so we were over there and we were doing a little bit of adventuring and traveling around. And my auntie had lent us her car. And so we wanted to go and discover and find Stonehenge. So we went on this little car trip to find Stonehenge and we found it. We were on our way back. It was about two hours from my auntie and uncle's house. And uh, we were on our way back and we stopped at a, like a pit stop, like a petrol station. We got some food, we got some petrol. Now we got back on, uh, to get back on the motorway, you had to navigate this really complicated and confusing roundabout, right? And so Steve's driving, I'm sitting in the passenger seat with a gigantic map because it was the days before smartphones and um, Google Maps, right? So I didn't have Siri telling me where to go. I had to figure this out myself and make sure I was holding the map. Anyway, there was a lot of shouting, there was a lot of panic, there was a lot of confusion in the car, and we ended up getting back on the motorway going in the wrong direction. And now I don't mean on the wrong side of the road, we were on the correct side of the road, but we were going back the direction that we'd just come. And the most frustrating thing about it was that it was half an hour before another exit that we could get off, turn around and come back. So we're traveling an hour going absolutely nowhere, making no progress. And I think to this day, we would probably agree that we are still at a disagreement at a crossroads as to who was to blame. <laughs> he was driving, I was navigating, a lot of shouting, a lot of confusion, maybe even some tears going on. And I still think we blame each other for the situation we found ourselves in. See, isn't life a little bit like that? We can sometimes be going down a pathway and all of a sudden we find ourselves going on an unexpected journey, traveling in an unexpected direction. And all too often we find ourselves trying to find someone or something to blame to what, as to why we ended up there. We can blame our family, we can blame our spouse, we can blame our friends, we can blame our boss, we can blame the devil, we can blame ourselves. But Joseph knew something and realised something that we need to realise today. It's not about who put you there. It's about who's with you there. It's not about who put you there. It's about whose promise still holds you. God is with you on the way. Through every trial, through every twist, every turn, every detour, every redirect, He is with you on the way, at every stage in Joseph's journey. If you read through the whole story in Genesis, you will see in every single scenario, whether he was in the pit, whether he was in the shackles, whether he was in the prison, and every place and every time, it repeats the same statement, and God was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, because the Lord was with Joseph, and God was with Joseph, whatever he did. Worship team, if I could have you join me now. If you were to try and figure out, church, how many promises of God there are for you in Scripture, you would have a difficult time doing it. Because if you have a look in different commentaries and in different places, the scholars have a, a, a number of different results. Some say there's 3,000 promises. Some say there's 7,000 promises. Others, eight. Others, somewhere in between and some many, many, many more. So the only, um, the only way I could describe or tell you how many promises there are in the Bible that would be an accurate demonstration of just how many promises there are 
would be to say that there are a lot. That's the best way I could describe it for you. There are a lot. And I'm not sure how many of you have sat down at any point in time and gone, let me really consider the promises that God has got over my life. I don't know how many of you really realise just what God has in store for you, just what He's spoken over you. I don't know that we really realise just how much God wants to bless you. And so what I wanna do right now is I wanna speak some promises of God over you. I wanna take a moment for you to be able to sink in just what He's promised you in your life because He's a big God and He's got some big promises for you. Take this in for a moment because God's promise, He promised to bless Abraham and through His descendants, the whole world. God promised that if we search for Him, we'll find Him. He promises to be near us when we pray. God promises protection for His children. He promises that His love will never fail. God's promise of blessing is for those who delight in Him. God promised salvation to you, to those who believe. God promises to work all things out for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. God promised to comfort you in your trials. God promises new life for you in Christ. He promises every spiritual blessing over your life. God promises to finish the work He started in you. God promises peace when you pray. He promises to supply all of your needs. He promises rest from your burdens. He promises you abundant life. He promises you eternal life when you trust in Him. God promises power for you from on high. He promises that He will return for us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises that nothing will ever separate you from His love. He promises that nothing is impossible for Him. And He promises you a future and a hope. And if it's not the promise, it's not the end. It's not the end. First Corinthians 1.20, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfilment in Him. And as His yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring Him glory. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank You, Lord, for every single person sitting in this room God, I thank You that every single one of them has been promised by You. Every single one of those promises I read out, not one of them is exempt from those promises. And Lord, right now, wherever they may be in their circumstances of life, whether they feel like they're far off the promise, whether they feel like it's just unreachable and I don't know how it's gonna happen, whether it started off heading beautifully toward the promise and just their whole world has been turned upside down. God, I thank You that because of Your nature, we can trust in You, that You will speak and not lie, that You will promise and You will fulfill. God, I thank You that every promise You've spoken over them, You will see come through to fruition. God, I thank You that when You speak something over Your life, You will find a way to draw it out. It's hard to keep it down. Lord, I thank You that You are with us all the way. You never leave us, You never forsake us. And Lord, I thank You that it is You who will get us there. It is You who will. It is You who will. Help us not to strive. Help us not to push. Help us not to manipulate or manufacture something that is only by Your timing. 
God, we thank You for Your promises. We thank You that You are a big God. We thank You that nothing is impossible for You. Lord, we give You all, we, we just surrender them all to You. We hand them over to You for Your glory. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, Amen. Church, I'd, I'd love to um, just speak briefly into a couple of those promises that Bex touched on. Um, I don't know what brought you to church today. I don't know why you came. Um, All I do know is that you are here and I also know that there's a God who made you, who loves you so much. God loves you so much, more than you could ever really probably comprehend or understand. And we all sin, we all mess up, we all fall short of God's standard for us. Uh, But God did this thing in His amazing grace, He sent His own Son Jesus to a cross. And when Jesus died on that cross, He took upon Himself what all of us would do for our sin, for our mistakes. And then He extends to us as a result of that, His death on the cross and in defeating death and the grave and rising again, He extends to all of us, not like judgment or condemnation or ridicule. He actually extends to us His grace, forgiveness for all our wrongs, all our sins, done away with, thrown away, gotten rid of, all your guilt, all your shame, done, gone, paid for. And He extends to us His grace. And with that, He gives us this brand new life. The Bible calls that being born again. It's born again by the Spirit of God. You get a brand new start. It's the most incredible, life-changing moment and experience you'll ever have when you're born again by the Spirit of God. He gives you a great future. He says He's got plans for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a great future with Him. And then on top of all that, you get this incredible promise of eternity with Him in heaven. This life is not the end. Death has lost its sting. It's no, the death has no more finality. You have eternal life. It's a gift of God for you through Christ Jesus. And, and I, I don't know why you came to church. I don't know what brought you here. Um, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know this life that God has for you, but you want to, you want to receive His free gift, gift of grace, I would love to lead you in that. If you're here today, maybe you'd be honest and say, man, I've walked with God for a while, but I'm, if I'm honest today, I'm far from God. And Maybe I've even been coming to church for a long time, but I've really got a foot in two camps. I'm like walking with God and then just doing my own thing. But today you're like, you feel God stirring you to get right with Him and actually go wholeheartedly after Him. I would love to also lead you in that same prayer. Can I ask everyone in this room just to bow your, eye, bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? If you are here today and you don't know Him, and maybe you've come in today and you knew this was your day, you were like, I'm getting to church today because I need to get my life right with God. Or maybe today you're, you're kind of feeling confronted with your, with your own life and what you've been doing. You feel like, man, I just need to get my life right with God today. I wanna invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. It's a prayer of surrender, just putting your life into God's hands and receiving His gift of grace. Just say these words. Say, God, today I surrender my life to You. I know that I've sinned, I know that I've messed up, but I do believe, Jesus, that You died for me. Right now, I turn from my old ways and I turn to You. I ask that You'd forgive me of all my wrongs. Would You come into my life? Make me brand new today. I wanna receive that new life You have for me. I place You as the Lord of my life and choose from this moment and this day to live for You. 
in Jesus' name. Just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, can I just say I'm so proud of you. We as a church think it's the most incredible thing you'll ever do with your life. Putting your life into the hands of God is the most secure place your life could ever be. And I'd love for you to do one small thing for me today. It's a little step of faith. Um, What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, if you did pray that prayer and you're serious about it, I want you to be real brave right where you are and I want you to lift your hand up nice and high just so I can see it. Look, I'm not doing that because I want to embarrass you or call you out or stand you up. I'm not gonna do that. But what I will do is I'll acknowledge your hand, I'll see it and you can pop it straight back down. This is a little step of faith for you. I want you to be bold. I want you to be, be brave. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you meant it either for the very first time or you're coming back to God today saying, yes, Steve, this is my day. Are you ready? Hands up nice and high. One, two, Three, hands up nice and high, awesome. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Awesome, amazing, amazing. I see you guys, yes, right down the back. Up the front here too, I see you guys down there. Amazing, God bless you. Right here, I see you guys too. That's incredible. Right up the front over here, incredible. I love you, thank you so much. God loves you. Yes, way down over the back there, I see you guys too. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. My man, right here, I see you too. I just get a sense there's a couple more people. I don't want to delay this too long, but I know there's a couple more people in this room. You're like, man, Steve, that's me. Your palms are sweaty, your heart is racing. It's like God is on your case right now. And He's calling you in, He's calling you in. My man, I see you, that's great. Thank you so much. Just a couple more seconds. If you've put your hand up, you can put it back down now. That's amazing. God, I thank you for every heart that is just turned towards you. We honor you for them. We thank you that right now they've received brand new life in you. Lord, that their names are being written in the Lamb's book of life. There is eternity for them. Not just eternity, but there is an abundant life they get to live right now. I bless them now and we thank you for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's congratulate every person that just said yes to Jesus. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing. Can I, can I say, if you did,